Uh, Acts chapter 6 is where we left off a couple weeks ago, and uh, we saw a problem that came from within the church, and the problem uh, produced a solution that we saw is still benefiting the church today. Uh, it was an internal problem, and there was some mumbling or murmuring and, and grumbling and griping about a certain group of widows that weren't being taken care of like another group of widows. And uh, the apostles said, okay, here's our solution. I want you to find seven men that are full of Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, and full of faith. And we're going to appoint these seven men over this business. And again, this, we talked about how do you know that someone's full of the Holy Ghost? How can you, how can you see that? How can you determine whether somebody has godly wisdom or, or just experiential wis- wisdom? Uh, but these seven men were very clearly supposed to be appointed over this business. This group of seven men, again, we talked about, many people deem this as that first group of deacons in the church. Right off the bat, the church is growing, the church's needs are growing. And so these, these men who are supposed to be servants and serving the physical needs of the church are supposed to be identified. And I, again, want to point this out, that the authority by which these men were going to be appointed didn't come through a vote. Some people, you know, look at the way that Baptist churches have done it in the past, and I'm not a judge of any Baptist church. We try to do things biblically. We're not a perfect church. Um, But when we look in Scripture, we see these men, we see the appointment of deacons not being like a popular vote. They they didn't say, hey, look out, uh, tell us who your best friends are, the people that got the most money, the people that can do the most in in this way. They didn't do that. They said, find these men with these qualities, and then the appointment will come through the apostles. The apostles were the ones that Jesus called out and Jesus appointed over this business of leading the church. Again, it wasn't a democratic process. And so some people are like, well, do you vote them in and vote them out? No, it wasn't a democratic process. The church, the people, were used as a vessel to identify the qualities in the men that were supposed to be appointed by these apostles. It's supposed to be evident in their life. They're supposed to be a, have a good report, a good testimony, and it was supposed to be very clear. Again, we've already talked about the apostles were the ordained leaders. Peter walks with Jesus. Peter, uh, Jesus says, feed my sheep. And we immediately in the very beginning of Acts see Peter kind of step forward as the main leader of the apostles. That changes later uh, in Acts. But again, this is the first group of leaders that are going to now appoint what we believe the first group of deacons. So why is this so important? Why is it so important that these men have these qualities and that these men are appointed by the apostles over this specifical business of taking care of the physical needs in the church. How could it help the apostles? Well, obvious answers. The deacon body was supposed to be put in place to take care of those physical needs, as I said. But it would also serve as a conduit so that the apostles could give themselves to their primary call and primary purpose. These two offices work in, they're supposed to work in perfect harmony in conjunction in the church as leaders so that the work of the ministry goes on, so that the church is taken care of and is a healthy body. So here it is. Here's the solution. We've got a problem. We need a solution. The solution given by God, taking care of this practical problem with, with, with some men that can t- t- take care of this, Uh, And so we move on and kind of see who these men are and what is the result of this solution. So uh, let's pray, and we'll get into this. Father, thank you again for this time, and we thank you for all that you 
do in our lives, God, we know that you're sovereign. We know that you know the numbers of the hair on our heads. We know that uh, the righteous aren't forsaken. We know that uh, even when we go through uh, a crazy week like we had this last week where things are different and abnormal and even difficult in many ways, um, Lord, that, that you are still good and you're still God and you still love us. And uh, Lord, you tell us in James that the trials we go through and we can count it joy because we know that can produce certain things that only can be produced in our lives because of the trials uh, if we allow them. Lord, I pray that our church would respond and that these trials would produce more faith. They would produce more of a, an eternal vision, uh, realizing that you're coming soon. Uh, it doesn't feel like that we're walking towards your return. It feels like we're running towards it. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would help us as a church be who we're supposed to be, uh, that when you do return, that we are found faithful doing. And um, Lord, we ask you to move now in a great way and be glorified in, in this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you have to bear with me. I uh, feel like I'm in a little bit of a daze. Uh, I got very little sleep last night and I have no idea why other than maybe just excitement of coming back to church, anticipation of, of things to come. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but if I slur my words, I'm not on any medicine, okay? <laughs> It's just a lack of sleep. So, um, But if, uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 4 is where we're going to pick up. It says this, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So again, find these seven men that have these qualities, and then we are going to uh, uh, lay our hands on them and appoint them to this business of taking care of the physical needs. And what we're going to do is we're going to give ourselves continually, constantly, to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So the primary purpose of the apostles or the early church leaders was to give themselves over to prayer. And it says very clearly what kind of prayer, continual prayer, constant prayer, not just thank you for this food, bless this food, nurse our body, not, you know, thank you for this day, bless our sleep tonight, not just that, but constant prayer. And also to the ministry of the word. The interesting thing is that word ministry is the same word used for deacon, similar word from the same root word, this word is diakonia. That means to, to give attendance to, to serve, to minister, to administer the Word of God. Again, of course, all that is incorporated with that, the study of the Word of God, the teaching, the preaching, the sharing, the encouraging, the exhorting, the admonition, the admonition all those things are what the apostles, the leaders, the pastors are supposed to do. Again, their responsibility, we've already seen, was to lead administer, handle the problems, lead the, the, the group, and devote themselves to these primary things, prayer and the ministering of the Word of God. Now, we, we see this pop up again in the church, this, this vital element of the Word of God. And we also see something very important and vital, and that is the order that God is ordaining in the church. Jesus Christ, again, ordained these men to do exactly what they said they have to devote themselves to. He called them and he installed them. And some people might, you know, criticize this, you know, the, that's all the apostles are doing. That's all they're supposed to be doing. I mean, the, can't they do something else other than pray and, and, and preach the word of God and, and, and serve the word of God to the church? Again, the priority that Jesus Christ himself placed on prayer and the, the proclamation of truth in the congregation is at the very top of the list. 
In these services, I've said this before, you may know everything that we cover. You may know even more than what we cover. The point is not that it's all about learning. The point, in large part, is that the Word of God goes out into the congregation and that we as a church family, as a body, hear the same things and are reminded of the things that you may already know, encouraged in the things that you may be struggling in, or maybe even admonished and taught in things that you aren't hitting the nail, uh, the hitting the nail, the head of the nail on. And so it's vital to understand the roles of leaders in the church and to honor God by honoring that. Number one in your notes is this, leaders and pastors are placed in churches so that the church grows together and goes together. This is something that, again, the Lord set up. Um, I promise you this, uh, being a pastor was not on my to-do list when I got out of high school and when I started into college. It just was not something that I wanted to do or sought after until the Lord started working on my heart and calling me. Um, there, there was, that, that wasn't even on my radar. The interesting thing about this is my, my senior year, uh, I was uh, in, in different uh, sports and uh, I would pray before every game. They would, they would ask me. They knew I would leave practice on Wednesdays to make sure that I was at youth, uh, the, the church service on Wednesday night. We didn't have a youth service back then. Um, my parents said, you, I don't care what you have to do, but you're going to leave practice, you're going to be here. Uh, church starts at 7, so you be here. So I did. And uh, as a senior, a leader on the team, a starter, and, and all those things, I, I, I went to my head coach and I said, Coach, I got to leave no later than 6.30 so that I can get down there, get all my stuff off, get in the shower, get back up here for church, get, get down there for church. And then he asked, he asked uh, uh, the whole team, all right, anybody else go to church? They were supposed to be on church Wednesday night. And there was like, there was like 15, 20 guys that raised their hand. And the coach was like, you guys are a bunch of liars. I know you're bad sinners, but <laughs> he said, I know you don't go to church. And, uh, but there was about a handful of us, and most of us were seniors. And, and so we left at 6.30, and some of the guys were grumbling. I thought they might need to go to church because they had to finish out the sprints, and we got to do ours early and leave. And, um, but it, it, anyways, um, they, they, they would call me because I simply prayed before. I wasn't a, a saint or anything, but... Um, I would pray before the game, so they started calling me Rev. And, uh, and then that movie came out, Remember the Titans, I was like, oh, somebody else called Rev. But um, no, I, I, but even with all of that, I still had no desire, no thought, no, you know, inkling that I would be in ministry or even a, a pastor. Um, but God works in ways, and He, and he called, and, and He does things that just are beyond us. Uh, my personality, the way that I'm wired, I, I would rather not be in front of a group of people talking to a bu bunch of people, but I know what God has called me to, and I know the love that I have for him and his word and to share his word. And so I'm going to do it even, even when it's uncomfortable or, or even when it's not in my comfort zone or whatever the case may be. And I'll do it until he calls me home or until he says, you're going to do something else. Um, but it's so important for us to understand that that's what God does. God is the one that places leaders and pastors in churches, even those who don't, aren't very seemingly, you know, uh, outgoing people or, you know, energetic or, or uh, extroverts and stuff like that. God uses things and people for his purposes. Ephesians chapter 4 says very clearly why God gives pastors and teachers, why he gives different um, uh, offices and, and, and leadership positions in the church 
He says this in verse 4, I mean chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in you all, the church, Christians. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, in saying he ascended, he, he qualifies that. What does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And this is what Jesus did. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors and teachers. The shepherds and teachers, pastors and teachers, is a, is a, they're grouped together uh, in the Greek. So that's one, one, one person there. It doesn't mean that there aren't teachers or people with the gift of teaching, but that is specifically uh, one person. This is why he gave these men to the church, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so that the church would be equipped, so the church would hear the same thing, would have the same vision, would go the same direction, working for the ministry, but also for the building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children who are tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so God gives the the, the men to the church, the apostles, uh, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, teachers, to equip the saints so that the saints, so the church can do the work of the ministry, so that the body, all of us together, are built up. We're encouraged and strengthened together until we all come to that place of mature manhood, so much so that we look like our Lord Jesus Christ, the fullness, it says. And so we're not, we're supposed to be this church body. We're supposed to be these members of the church body so that when something comes along on the TV or on YouTube, some doctrine or some popular preacher gets out there and starts saying stuff, or some even music stuff can go out there that you're able to say, ah, ah, wait, 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 that's not right. Because we were hearing on Sunday or because I was studying and we were in our, our Bible group. We were in our adult connect group. Again, not so that we, are, we, we go back and forth, but that we can be strong, built up in him. Leaders and pastors are supposed to be submitted to and supposed to be followed in the church. And I'll say this, not because I or any other leader in this church is worthy. Because I promise you I'm not. And no, neither is any elder or any deacon. None of us are worthy. There's not a pastor on this earth. I don't care how big or how great their ministry is. Not worthy to lead the perfect, holy God of God's King of Kings. Lead His church. Lead a congregation. We're not worthy. 
but they should be followed and submitted to because it's God's order. It's what God has ordained. And when we do that, we honor God. It's just the way it goes. You have to ask, was, was Moses, was, was David, or what about even Peter in our context? Were they men who were worthy? Think about what Moses did. Moses ran, came up with excuses. He killed somebody, ran, came up with excuses. I mean, David, we know what David did. Committed adultery, committed murder. Peter cut somebody's ear off, denied Jesus Christ three times, even though Jesus said, hey, you're going to do this. No, I'm not. He did it. <laughs> All these things, these men, if you look at their lives, say, man, why would you follow that guy? Well, in his own self, I wouldn't. <laughs> but because God set up the leaders, it's important for us to submit and follow that leadership. What if Israel didn't follow Moses? They almost didn't, right? You brought us to the edge of this Red Sea. Why? Just to have us killed? That's why you brought us out here, right? I guess we're just going to die right here. Way to go, Moses. Led us to our deathbed right here at the Red Sea. At one point, we know that they didn't follow him. They kind of went their own direction, and it hindered them, and it cost them as God's people. And I believe that's exactly what happens in churches still today. People on their own agenda, people living in this individualistic world that we live in, centered on self, centered on what they want, and not, not submitted to what God wants and how God is leading. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, and consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. Imitate their faithfulness. Obey your leaders, in verse 17, and submit to them. Why? Because they're keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Some of you have seen, I, I could have put it up there before. Some of you have seen this, uh, this spoof video, it's called The Honest Preacher. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before. If you haven't seen it, you can go and Google it. It's pretty humorous. Uh, but they, they talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the preacher gets up there and he, he opens up the, the Bible and, and he, he puts it down and he looks and he's just discouraged. He's like, Nuh. and he goes, and he closes his Bible. And uh, he kind of goes on a tangent about how the, the people are acting a fool, and one guy specifically is the worst, and uh, it goes on and on uh, about that. But uh, again, it says that let them give this account with joy, not with groaning, because that would be of no advantage to you. And then First Corinthians chapter eleven, Paul says, "Imitate me, as I uh, as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me." So Paul was, you know, he said that after he, was, he said basically, "I'm not going to use my liberty to do what I want to do. I could." I have liberty, but I don't want to do that. And that the last part of chapter 10 uh, actually finishes with uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And so if you read that in context, he finishes that, and then he starts a new section there uh, in, in verse 2. But he's basically saying, look, as long as I'm following Christ, you need to follow me. And if we're all following Christ because I'm following him, you're following me as I'm following Christ, then if I stop following Christ then you can keep following him because we're going the same direction. If I fall off, if I fall to the side, then don't follow me. 
follow, be imitators of me as I'm trying to imitate Christ. When I veer from that, don't imitate me. Don't follow me. Don't, 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 don't follow that leadership. And I'm, I'm far from perfect. There's no leader that is. But there's a grave, a very serious importance to following and respecting what God has set up and who God has set up. That's why recently many of you got emails on a, on a daily basis about praying for me and my family and then praying for our church leaders and stuff like that. I can never express the gratitude that I have for that uh, because I know I'm just a man. And if it wasn't for the Lord and his grace, uh, then again, in his call, then I wouldn't be here. But I'm so grateful for the prayers. Again, the existence of this church, the existence of the church is eternally vital on this earth. And it's my job to, to continue to pray and to preach and to teach and to lead in that importance that the church is eternally vital, that you and I are part of this movement of God, and that is eternally significant. Again, think about what happened this week, how quickly our, our temporal lives came to a halt and just changed in an instant. But you know something that never changed? You know something that never was shifted or altered or cut off? The gospel. Our call. It, it, it remains the same. Not one of these words changed every time the electricity went off. It stayed the same. And so, again, the eternal remains eternal. The temporal is going to go away. We should stop serving and living for and worshiping idols. Again, it's, it's so important for me, for other preachers and teachers and small group leaders to constantly push us, to urge us, and even to steer us to discomfort out of our comfort zones, out of our convenient lives if necessary to be who God's called us to be. To stress the importance of us as a church growing and going together. My desire is so that one day when you stand before the Lord, he's going to tell every single church member, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the desire. Acts chapter five or 6, verse 5, it says this. This is the response of the church. The saying, please the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy, Ghost, Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, or Timon, <laughs> Timon, <laughs> Lion King, uh, Parmenius, uh, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. So again, here's what we see in this first church. The church submits to the leaders. They follow the leaders, and they identify these seven men. That's, that's an awesome thing right in itself to say, man, the whole, the, the whole multitude of the church was pleased with this. The whole church, again, they were, there were some murmuring. There were some groups. There were some people that were upset before. And now the solution, they come together on the solution. The saying, please the whole multitude. Number two in your notes, our unity in submitting to God's order, will, and way is key is a key that unlocks and often reveals the mighty works of God. That's a long statement, but it's so important for us to understand that when we submit to God's order, His leadership, His will, and His way, that is a key that often unlocks and reveals 
the mighty works of God. And I don't know about you, but I want to see that. I want to be a part of that. Uh, not for selfish or fleshly reasons, but if it's all about the eternal and that's what matters on this earth, then I want to see the mighty hand of Almighty God work in our lives and through our lives. I want to see His mighty works. He doesn't deserve to show us. We don't deserve that. We can't earn that. But it doesn't mean that I don't want to see His mighty works. And we see in Scripture that when we are unified together as a church and we're submitted to the Lord, the way that he's set things up, the, way, the direction that the church is going, oftentimes, just like in this church, in Acts chapter 6, it unlocks these amazing works of God. The church gets to be a part of them. Again, there was obviously seeds of complaining in the church, as I said a while ago, before this solution came out. We don't know if there was anyone who said, we don't want to find seven men. Why only seven? There's 12 apostles. Why are you just going to choose seven? We don't know anybody was critical like that or, or, or complaining that the deacons would have a, a, a larger burden to bear with seven guys versus 12 guys like the apostles. We're not told that. I guess there was a potential for some to say that we don't like this. We think it would work better if we were to do it like this. So we're not going to be a part of this. There was a potential for that, I guess. But we don't see that. The scripture very clearly says that the saying pleased the whole multitude. Everybody said, you know what? The leadership said, let's do this. So let's do this. Let's do this. We see the solution for the problem pleased the multitude. And because they followed the direction of the leaders, look what happens in verse 6. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. And look at verse 7. The word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. <laughs> That's amazing. Because there was this, this, this group of priests that obviously were just religious people, and they became obedient to the faith. So not just the numbers of disciples increased, but even religious leaders who may be calloused or just going through, maybe not uh, part of the Pharisees or Sanhedrin, I, I don't know, but they became obedient to the faith. I believe that there, had there been a, a group that still murmured and complained, this first church might not have experienced the mighty work of God like this. As I talked about a couple weeks ago, I hope that you're not part of the stench. I hope that you don't gripe and complain. Why don't we do this? Why do we do this? Stop griping and complaining. Start praying and serving and being a part. Submit and, and, and be all in. Because if you're not, you may be part of a group that this church didn't have. That was holding back. Keeping the mighty works of God. From being manifest. It's not saying that God wouldn't have done, couldn't have, couldn't have done something still. Of course, he's God. But what we see is because they submitted and followed, God did that work like that. So that's, that's the precedent that we have. We can honestly ask ourselves, what might we miss in Trinity Baptist Temple? What might we miss by way of God's mighty works? if we aren't submitted to him and the leadership that he's ordained. 
First Peter chapter 5 says to humble yourself. James chapter 4 says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Look again in verse 7 of Acts chapter 6. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly. The mighty hand of God worked these miracles and I want to see that in our church. I want to see as, as, as things get more difficult on this earth, I want to see our church rise up. I want to see faith come to the surface like never before. I, I want us to be so driven by faith and, and with the Word of God rooted in us being grounded in it. I, I want to see mighty things done because we are all together on God's, on God's page. I want that. I hope that you do too. But if we don't submit and we don't get unified and we don't press forward together, we're never going to see it. I, I don't know about you, but that, that's a disheartening thought. To spend the years that we spend on this, this earth, to go through motions, to, to show up week in and week out, to be a part of what is going on here, and then to never see the mighty hand of God work in and through this church. That's disheartening. When it's possible, the key is us. God will do it. God does it. He's doing it all over the world today. But it's us that have got to be in line. And it doesn't come from us just simply wanting it. Well, I want it real bad. I want to see that too. I want to see multitudes of people get saved and baptized and join. I want it really bad. It doesn't come from us wishing it or wanting it. Like we want to be spiritually entertained. It comes by true, eternal, driven devotion. Setting self aside, being unified and submitted to God and submitted to the leadership that God has set up. Let's go sow the seeds, all of us together, so that the word of God increases, so that the number of the disciples is multiplied, and even the religious crowd in this church and outside of this church has changed. So what do I do? How do I do it? We, we talk about it every week in our videos. We talk about it often. Go by that back table. Get some invite cards. Get some tracks. Invite someone to church. Tell someone your salvation story. Put it online. Tell it in person. Hey, can I tell you what God did in my life 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Tell someone. Live it out. Be all in. But let's be all in together. And if you've never given your life to the Lord, again, this discomfort that we experienced this last week is nothing. Nothing compared to what eternity holds for those who have not accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. It's so vital. I, I was thinking, man, I don't know how many of you saw the, the tragic images of that wreck that happened on 35. That is gut-wrenching. And to think those people got on that highway not thinking a, a, a thought that that was their last moment on earth. And I just thought, man, how many of those people that we might have been able to invite to church, that we may have encountered, that we didn't know we encountered. Maybe they were somebody, a, a waiter, waiter at a restaurant, or maybe somebody at, at a store, a worker there. And because we're here in our life, they didn't get the opportunity to, to be invited or hear 
Maybe they did hear, maybe they rejected. Maybe, they, maybe some of those people were in that, in that accident that died that had been going to church their whole life and playing religious games, not truly surrendered to Christ. Because they played those games, they, they missed out on, on heaven. I pray that nobody here is like that or watching online. This week gave us a reality, I think a reality check. This world is temporal. Let's start living for the eternal. Set our eyes on things above, not on things of this earth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again this morning. And thank you for the challenge you give us in your word. We see this amazing uh, response from uh, your people in this first church. We see uh, a, um, just a uni unity that produced um, a, a, an amazing opportunity for you to work. And you worked in a mighty way. God, we want to see that in our church. We, we want to see your hand work in mighty ways. And I pray that you start with me and you go through every member, that we would evaluate our hearts and we'd evaluate our lives, that we wouldn't be, be the one or be part of the group that is hindering because we're not all in. I pray that there would not be a, a single member of this church that's a murmurer or a complainer or a griper. Lord, but every single one of us would be devoted to prayer. And we'd be devoted to your cause. The direction this church is going, we would be all in together so that you could do those mighty works among us. Lord, just move now in this invitation, and we'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand just for a minute.